Welcome to the Scuffed Podcast. I'm Adam Bells in Minneapolis. With me is Greg Velasquez in Des Moines. We talk about U.S. men's soccer. Brazil pays a visit to North Jersey this Friday for a friendly with the USA, so let's talk about how we'd like the U.S. to come out, how we think Dave Sarakin will line the boys up, and what we're looking for from this match. Technically the first contest of the 2022 World Cup cycle. Greg, how are you? Good, Bells. It begins. Here we go. Uh, first, let's talk about roster omissions. You want to you wanna take the first one? Yeah, so everyone who kind of is following us, I think, is on the same boat, uh, knows where we're going here. The entire Scandinavian group was left off. Uh, Roman Gall, uh, Jonathan Amen, Emmanuel Sabi, they've all been doing well in Scandinavia. None of them called up for this this round of friendlies. Right. Um, I'm, I'm not going to march on Chicago about it, but it doesn't seem like we need to pull Sebastian Legette and Paul Ariola away from desperate playoff pushes when the three Scandinavian attackers are available. Sarakin must really not rate the Scandinavian leagues. Well, so I'm 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 even less uh, upset about it I think than than you. I, I don't I this is another one of those things where I'm going to give Sarakin a little credit. I think he's done well with call-ups uh, in his interim tenure. I'm going to give him a little bit of credit here. And sort of assume that he does have a plan uh, for integrating those guys. I don't think that he doesn't plan on calling them. Uh, in my mind, because I could, I can kind of make this argument for myself too. Um, bringing those three guys in against Brazil is like the worst possible time to bring them in. Other people might say, no, that's the best time. Throw them in and like really test them. Um, but we as a team aren't really capable of attacking against Brazil. So why would we just throw these attackers in where they're essentially not going to succeed? We're not even going to play a style that would use them. Yeah. Well, that's pretty reasonable. I'll retroact- Again, I'll retroactively be angry at all three rounds of friendlies if these guys don't get called in for any of them. But it's, it kind of is like uh, going back to, I think, the uh, March friendly against Paraguay where – Anthony Robinson gets called in but doesn't play and everyone's kind of losing their mind. And I'm like, well, as long as like we, over the next three friendlies, he gets his run out and it's fine. There's a plan to integrate him and bring him. So as long as these three guys get integrated over the next three months, uh, I'll just, again, I'll give Sarah credit for having that plan. If he doesn't do that, then I'll be like, what the fuck, Dave? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. And then he did, he did follow through with Robinson and now he's probably the first choice left back. So. I guess his track record is pretty decent on that front. The other sort of big headline omission is Christian Pulisic, the most famous male American soccer player, was left out of Dortmund's squad for a Friday visit to Hanover with quote-unquote muscular problems. I, I think that's probably a German for a pulled muscle, right? And Something, yeah, strain and any kind of – but those those air quotes are doing a lot of work here, Bells. <laughs> well, no, I don't, I don't doubt that there are muscular problems. And he's not in this USMNT roster. I thought very little of this. And then I saw the Ives Galarsip article from yesterday where he essentially says it's a cause for concern that Pulisic has blown off so many friendlies. And it's become a pattern. And these are actually pretty good matches that matter for the future of the program against, you know, arguably the best squad in the world in Brazil, with all due respect to France. 
and 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 then our our regional rival, our biggest rival, Mexico, who's people are saying, well, they're bringing a B team. Well, no, Mexico's not really bringing a B team. They're just bringing a young team, and they're leaving off some of the old guys who probably aren't going to have a role in the next cycle. So I guess I'll ask you: Do you have a do you have a take on this? I think this is a lot of nothing. I think that the cause for concern is U.S. soccer worried about the fact that their poster boy, the guy who's on all their graphics to promote the game and the guy who's in the commercials for Fox Sports 1, uh, isn't going to be there. And I think that they, they're they feeling that pinch. I, th- I thought the eyes piece was pretty ridiculous. I thought the, he was making a bunch of assumptions and drawing a bunch of conclusions uh, that sort of aren't founded. Uh, there, there's a lot of reaching and, uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it was, it was rough. And I, and I feel like what's even worse is, I mean, he, it's not like he, this, this isn't just Ives sort of speculating like Ives has sources on this from us soccer. Uh, so I think what's even worse is, uh, this is, I mean, there's no way to read it other than a deliberate attempt by us soccer to sort of smear Christian Pulisic. Yeah. I mean, that seems a little strong. Maybe smear is a little strong. Man, uh, more like I mean, he's. <laughs> it's not like they're. It's not like they're like accusing him of moral impropriety or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, but for in, I, I'm just gonna say in this country, like accusing a dude of not being super patriotic, like that's like in in the sports world. Uh, for a national team, like that's sort of like the the most grave offense. Yeah, of it's, not really wanting to represent the flag like that's you save that criticism for for when things are really going wrong. I suppose so. Yeah. Is is Christian Pulisic the new Colin Kaepernick? <laughs> it, I mean, that, that's what I'm like. These are he, he doesn't love. He doesn't he, he's not fighting for the shirt like that's a that's a real like a big charge. And again, it's U.S. soccer is the one that's planting this story. I suppose. Yeah, I was just. I was just glad to see that Ives finally wrote something interesting because, like, he hasn't – I haven't, like, clicked on an article from him and been happy that I clicked on it for the last 12 months probably. Well, um, I mean somebody wanted Ives to be getting a lot of uh, attention because this, this is definitely one of those that gets a lot of attention. Again, I think it's I think it's completely, like, just really unnecessary. I, we, we've talked about this before how – it seems obvious that there are always sort of little deals going on uh, between club and country uh, every for every friendly break. Like there's always little wiggle room. And when you say you thought very little of this, you shouldn't think anything of it. Like this is the normal. This is standard. Uh, there are friendly windows where we where they'll talk about how it's an MLS heavy roster. That's not a coincidence where it just happened to be MLS heavy. They didn't want to put a burden on a bunch of guys to fly over the Atlantic Ocean to play in a friendly so no one no one questions the patriotism of those guys or they shouldn't be it doesn't happen very often i guess my thought is i i think the points he that ives raises are interesting i mean these are meaningless friendlies i guess technically speaking but they are they're against good teams and they're a good chance for this new young core to sort of uh coalesce and start to build something i think I mean, maybe maybe I'm wrong about that. Against the against Brazil and against a Mexico team that has a lot of exciting young talent on it, including Jonathan Gonzalez and Diego Linez. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that right, but that kid is 
a baller for Club America in Mexico City. Probably going to head to Europe soon. So I, so I think I'm not criticizing Pulisic outright. I'm just saying it's not awesome that he's going to miss these friendlies. I think it would be better if he was there. Better for better for what? Like this is where I, I kind of want to. I, I don't want to turn this into a whole like thing about Pulisic and the Ives article, but who who is it better for? It's better for the team to uh, for Pulisic to get on the field with McKenney and Adams and Miazga and Brooks and start to build some chemistry. That's all. It's not. Okay. It's not. It's not absolutely criti- critical. It's just would be better. So I would take I would take that in a vacuum that would be better, um, but these things are never happening in a vacuum. So there are just there's always other considerations. The fact that he even has any kind of an injury worry, like yeah, take him out immediately. And I'd say that that would apply to basically anybody uh, in the pool if they're if they're trying to come back from a little bit of an injury like this. It'd be completely uh, it'd be wrong to bring him in and, and put him at further risk, um, even if he just needed a, a little break or. I'm not saying he needs a break now because we're so early in the season, but you have to think long term and say, all right, well, when is this next built-in break? And if there really isn't going to be one for a while with Champions League starting up and all this, then maybe this is the best time to take a break uh, right now ahead of the the congested fixtures of, of the next couple months. I know. I'm with you. I, I, would, I would rather have him playing, but there can be extremely legitimate reasons to be left off that aren't. I just don't want to participate for the national team. Yeah, I'll say I'll say there are two there are two on the other hands for me. One is uh, that he does have probably a battle for minutes ahead of him. I mean, there's going to be plenty of minutes to go around, plenty of rotation at Dortmund. Pulisic's going to get minutes, but there's gonna, there's going to be competition as there always is. So uh, give him a leg up in that on that front is great. The other on the other hand is is I think I do kind of wonder if Pulisic just doesn't rate Sarakin. Now, this is just me speculating. <laughs> this is more interesting than the – see, I would rather have it be pure speculation like this than to have sort of Ives just giving a speakerphone to U.S. somebody in U.S. soccer to dish on Pulisic. Yeah, well, well okay, sure. But if you – I may be imagining this, so so bear with me. <laughs> But the body language between Pulisic and Sarakin has never looked great to me, and um, you got to wonder if, like, you know, Pulisic has obviously has a sour taste in his mouth from qualifying, just as all of us do, and he is rightly pointed out as one of the few players on the team who sort of quote unquote laid it all on the line. Really, like, you know, he was he was in tears after the Trinidad loss, so maybe he's just like, screw this. I'm not going to get involved until there's a real coach and we have like a real new direction because I don't want anything to do with what happened last year. And Sarakin is just a, he just projects U.S. soccer complacency uh, by his presence, by his very presence. Well, and, and not, not to even forget that Sarakin was a very big part of that coaching staff that. Yeah, that's what I mean. Put us, yeah. So, uh, no, <laughs> that would be. That would be a completely human and understandable uh, attitude towards it. Yeah. So if if that's what it is, then I then I salute Christian and <laughs> uh, and the pressure that he is putting on U.S. soccer to and Ernie Stewart to 
you know, make a call, make a grown up call, Ernie. Let's get this show on the road. <laughs> right. If 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 you guys think these games are important enough for me to show up to, then they're important enough for you to give us the actual coach. Yep. Yeah. Bingo. In a nutshell. Do you have any other thoughts on the Pulisic thing, or should we move on? Let's move on. We could we could end up staying on that for longer than we already have. Okay, that's obviously the biggest omission, and it's probably okay. I guess that's the Scuff Global Headquarters policy. It's okay. Um, Reggie Cannon, right back for FC Dallas. I wish he had been called up. I think he's close to Yedlin's level, but, you know, I'm kind of – it's okay. Shaq Moore gets another call. It'll be good to see him again. I'm good with that. Yeah, again, I, I'm, I'm hoping to see Cannon over the next round, couple of rounds of friendlies. Uh, but even if we have to wait till January to see him, that'll be fine. Yeah, he's only 20. Josh Sargent, word is he asked to stay in Bremen, which makes sense. He's got five goals and seven appearances for Verder 2, which is highly encouraging. He's the odds-on favorite to be the future striker for the national team, in my opinion, but it's okay for him to work on his career right now. All right, but that, that leniency doesn't apply to Pulisic, right? Like Pulisic is is shirking his national team responsibility, but when Sargent's trying to fight for a spot, then we're like, no, 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 this is a good thing. I just think the Pulisic thing is an interesting discussion. I'm not saying he's shirking his responsibility. <laughs> that's that's almost what the Ives article is like saying. Like, he's grown up now. It's time for him to put the team on his shoulders. Anyway, we're back into it already. We've, it, we've got two players away from it, and we're already back. Sargent uh, isn't even a first-team player yet. <laughs> Man, there's no there's always a, there's always a higher level to aspire to, to work towards, uh, even if you're Christian Pulisic. No, Sargent being left off seems fine. Uh I'm sure we're all reading the same reports that he'll be uh, over this international break. Bremen will play a couple of like friendlies, keep their guys occupied. Uh, and it sounds like Sargent might play in those with the first team. So um, it'll end up being an opportunity for him. Yep. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of good news out of that on that front. He seems he's not even celebrating his goals for uh Verde Bremen too. He, and, and that's I think that's a good thing. Like he's almost just like, yeah, this is this is a training session for the for the first team. This isn't a this isn't competition for me. He hasn't I, said those things. But no, he hasn't said those things. But yeah, it definitely is his body language. Uh, last one I have on my list is Keaton Parks. Well, no, he's not the last one. Keaton Parks. He's he's playing for Benfica B. I don't think I don't think there's any reason to be upset that he was left off too. Almost doesn't even qualify as an omission. Right. That was just he would have been a curiosity if he'd been on there. Uh, what about what about like uh, the DC duo like Canoose and Durkin? Um, I don't feel strongly about it. I mean, Durkin's not getting minutes right now. Yeah. Canoose, Canoose is a player I'm still not all that familiar with. I'll have to plead the fifth on him. Okay. I mean, they did. He did. He did play pretty well last night when DC United trounced Atlanta United in one of the more surprising results of the MLS season. I hope you're prepared for the Atlanta faithful to come after you. You didn't think they were trounced? I don't know. I mean, uh, they were. They, DC was very efficient. Yeah. I mean, DC didn't just bunker. You got to no, no, hand no, no. that. Yeah. And finishing is part of the game got to finish your chances 
Marky Delgado. I'm a little disappointed he isn't there. Bells, you, you've missed the update. Marky Delgado was recalled basically since the start of us recording. Oh, really? Yeah, he's been added to the camp. In place of someone or? No, no. It's just literally just Marky Delgado has also joined the team. They didn't say anybody was hurt in, in relation to it. He's just also in the camp. Oh, well. Yeah, that changes your whole mood, doesn't it? Scratch that. I feel much better. Any other omissions we should mention then? No, I think I think everyone else is. I, this this really is sort of a. I, I think kind of like what we were expecting. There weren't there weren't really huge surprises. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a little surprised that the uh, that none of the Scandinavian Scandinavian contingent makes an appearance, but whatever. It's like we said though, if you call one, you got to call them all. So if you aren't going to do all three of them in this camp, then you got then you got to just wait until the next one. Who are we going to play this this fall that we're going to be able to like run out of 4-3-3 three, three with two attacking wingers? Dude, we can attack England and Italy. Like I don't I'm sorry. Like those teams are uh, love their tradition, their their storied football history. Uh, we'll pl- we'll Go and play against them. They're not France and they're not Brazil. Yeah, that's true. Respectfully, England and Italy. I mean, let's not be too respectful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll get to those teams in the next month. But like, we're gonna we're gonna hear a lot about how England's World Cup run was uh, fortuitous matchups, and they never really played that well, all told. Yeah, they did. They did spank Panama. Um, anyway, should we, should we run through who was called up and just give, I mean, if, if there are any thoughts that emerge as we run through the lineup, then we just, uh, hit those as they come up. Yeah, let's do that one quick. That one will be a quick one. Okay. The goalkeepers are Alex Bono from Toronto, Ethan Horvath from Bruges and Zach Steffen from Columbus. You said last week, and I agreed with you that the main thing is we just want to see 180 minutes of Zach Steffen. You still feel yeah. that way? One, yeah, 100%. The defenders are John Brooks, Cameron Carter-Vickers, Eric Lehigh, Aaron Long, Matt Miazga, Shaq Moore, Tim Parker, Anthony Robinson, and DeAndre Yedlin. So Lehigh is on that list of players who are over 25. He's like 29-ish, something thereabouts. Um I'm sort of okay if like one or two guys like that show up on any on any particular friendly roster because again, he, he's gonna. I'm sure he's. We need two left backs on the roster. I anticipate Anthony Robinson getting all 180 minutes uh, or close to that. He might you know get play 80 and then come off almost just as a courtesy to him. Uh, so t- we just need another left back, and unless we we're gonna jump all the way to like Danilo Acosta, uh, who's not a bad player, but it's just a bit speculative. Eric Lehigh is reliable. Yeah. I I didn't want to see Lehigh there, but now that he's there, I'm not upset about it. Acosta, it should be mentioned, did not play in RSL's 6-2 drubbing of the Galaxy over the weekend. So he's maybe halfway back in the doghouse with Mike Pecky. <laughs> who knows? And, and again, after, after like, Acosta is a speculative pick. Who else is a left back option? Viafani, I think, is a little bit, a uh, little bit injured. If you can be a little bit injured, um, settling at Portland. So there's just we just we're so thin at left back. I don't think anyone was expecting Demarcus Beasley to be back on the call up list. 
So sure, let Lehigh be a be the sort of filler for the camp. Yeah, in just real quick in left back news, George Bello made his uh, professional debut, his MLS debut last night for Atlanta. Sixteen years old, wasn't a shining performance, but I thought he looked pretty good. Did you see any of that? Uh, yeah, I, I was watching the game and then I got to see his touches. Super excited for him. Uh, I assume, I kind of assumed we were going to be renaming this section. Uh, George Bellow for U.S. Men's National Team. <laughs> no, I'm not going Pro- there yet. But I'm probably just saying, late for this round of friendlies, but maybe in October. I mean, he, yeah, he does not look like a 16-year-old. Let's just say that he looks exactly. He looks, he looks older and better than that. Um, midfielders. Oh, we, well, we should probably mention Cameron Carter Vickers. I think neither of us thought he was necessary to call up, given that his his new club Swansea City he's there on loan yeah that that one seems like and and I'll go back one more time to the Pulisic stuff like uh, I think the U.S. should be smart about his call ups and traditionally I think we were for friendlies Um, like it's probably best for the national team to let all those guys do what's best for them individually like it's better for the national team to have Cameron Carter Vickers get settled in quickly at Swansea and and try to be getting minutes. That's that's for sure what would be what would help us the most. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I don't know all the details of the communications that the Fed had with CCV or Swansea, but uh, Vickers didn't play in Swansea's last game. Carter Vickers didn't play in Swansea's last game. I don't know what his status is, unlike the depth chart hierarchy. Um, but if he is going to play, it might take him a little bit of time to prove it, and we've just sort of taken some of that time away from him. Yeah, he maybe he's a control for uh, Aaron Long. You know, I don't yeah. know if they need another control with Parker and Miazga there, but Brooks. Yeah. So yeah, kind of scratching my head about that one. About is this what's best for the guy, and then is it long term what's best for the national team? But um, there you have it. Yeah, he'll be there. He's there. He's there. Kellen Acosta, go, moving on to midfielders, we got Kellen Acosta, uh, resurgent at the Colorado Rapids, Tyler Adams, Paul Ariola, Julian Green, Sebastian Legette, Weston McKenney, Christian Roldan, Will Trapp, and Tim Weah. Anything stick out to you here? Uh, so it's got a little bit of like a January camp midfield sound to it, doesn't it? Like uh... It's pretty meh. So it's Matt, Mark Delgado got added, which doesn't change the January-ness of it. Um, but I think I think it's fine. I think we don't have a lot of Europe, a lot of center midfielders in Europe. Uh, I assume we're going to be trotting out three center midfielders, so we need a lot of cover. Uh, I think Letjet and uh, sort of like Roldan, I think they're all sort of in the mold of like a hardworking uh, two-direction midfielder, which I think we're, we're going to be counting on uh, a lot of like just keeping shape, being organized, and those guys are are good players for that system. Like you said, there's there's very little attacking impetus on this in this list of midfielders. Yeah, I mean Acosta and Wea are the only only midfielders who really have goals in them. And Julian Green scored against France. <laughs> yeah. I know. Now, I guess but we should say Julian Green's an attacking midfielder, but um, but no, you're right. Like it's it's way I and I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It's 
it looks like a, we're, we're ready to defend. Those guys sound like a list you'd have if you're like, all right, fellas, 90 minutes of shape. Yeah, Sarakin's gunning hard for a 0-0 draw with Brazil. Um, yeah, it's interesting. The U.S. soccer has the caps and goals stats next to the names on the press release, and Julian Green has four goals and ten caps. He's just a he's a monster in front of goal. <laughs> and those are those are all usually like cameos. He, only, he has very few starts, so his per ninety for the U.S. has got to be pretty obscene. Yeah, like thirteen goals per ninety, probably. <laughs> um, I'm for, glad to see Let Jet back. Just real quick, I'm actually glad to see Let Jet back. Uh, I'm I'm hoping that like uh, I thought he was going to be a solid like guy to sit next to Michael Bradley, and I I feel like that's sort of what we were missing uh, in the last cycle. So if we're talking about McKenney and Adams and then who will pair with them, who will tr- make that trio up going forward, uh, whether it's 3-5-2 or 4-3-3, um, I'm interested to see what like a Letjet could, could offer. Yeah. I mean, uh, he he scored that opening goal in the Honduras game. That was uh, – and then promptly got injured for like – broke had his leg broken i think and he was gone for like seven months so right it's good to see him back uh kudos to sebastian forwards will be andrea novakovic who got another goal over the weekend for fortuna sitard bobby wood and jazzy zardis that most beloved of american strikers <laughs> Yeah, I mean, no one's excited about those three forwards. Am I, am I, am I correct in saying that? Uh, yeah. I think they're they're all sort of acceptable uh, on on the edge of being acceptable uh, for a for a window, and then I don't know. We'll just, we'll just hope that hope for the best. Yeah, Bobby Wood. Bobby Wood missed a a pretty clear cut chance to win the game for Hanover against Dortmund on Friday. And by the way, Dortmund did look fairly toothless in the attack without Pulisic or Sancho on the field. I think you texted me that. Oh, man, they were really, I mean, they were very average. They still got a couple of chances because that's what an average team should do when they're playing Hanover, who's another average team. But yes, they did not have a lot of cut or thrust. <laughs> yeah, and and Wood had that one chance. I mean, it wasn't like a... It wasn't a sitter. It wasn't an easy chance. It would have been a really nice goal had he scored it, but he didn't get it on frame. He kind of lost his footing. Got yeah, it was it was a very Bobby Wood performance. Like he he was doing a ton of work, doing a ton of like ghosting runs. Uh, like in the first five minutes of his stint, he played the second half. First like five minutes of that stint, like uh, he popped up and almost got on the end of two chances. Like he kind of put himself in good spots for two near looks. Uh, and then, yeah, in the dying moments, I feel like what it was was he essentially created that chance with some good movement uh, to to get position on a defender, mm-hmm. and then he and then he went. So he did well to do that, and then he promptly sort of wasted the chance, or the chance disappeared because of some footwork and some some poor touch. Yeah, he did get tugged a little bit, mm-hmm. which kind of is sort of part of the game at that point, but. All right, let's take a break and come back and talk about what's going to happen against Brazil.
All right, we're back. We're going to give our lineups alternating by position, starting with the goalkeepers. Greg. This is, I get the easiest one, uh, Zach Steffen. There should be no doubt about who starts and plays the entire game. No halftime subs. Zach Steffen, uh, see what you can do against the best team in the world. France notwithstanding. Yeah, agreed. And uh, we're going to, I think we both uh, are good with a 3-5-2, right? I mean, that's what we yeah, did against Yeah, yeah, yeah. And based on the on who was called up, the fact that we've got six center backs, I mean, that sort of follows the uh, protocol of two players at each. You call it two players for each sort of position in your formation. So six center backs on the list really makes a strong uh, case for a 3-5-2. Yeah, we're likely going to see a 3-5-2 against both Brazil and Mexico. So let's talk about who the three center backs are going to be. I'll give my three. I'm saying John Brooks, Matt Miazga, and Aaron Long across the from left to right with Miazga in the center I think, so I assume Brooke, yeah so Brooks on the left being left footed yep that's right and I I'll say I, I want to see long because I feel like I know what we get from Parker and Carter Vickers and I think most Red Bulls fans would tell you that long is the is has the edge on Parker uh, for them I could be wrong about that. Hit me up on Twitter if I am. But I but that's my sense of things is that Long is seen as the better of the two. He's also an interesting case study because he was playing in USL two seasons ago for uh, Red Bulls too. I'll be excited to see if he can like make a mark, outplay the other guys in training and get on the field to start this match because it's a good sort of shout for USL, which I think we should all be rooting for USL to get better and better. Uh, yeah, root for it to get better and hope that it already is good. And and, yeah. and if if Long can play like you're saying, that's that's a good uh, that's a good sign that the USL is already in a healthy place. I think he's just a little bit uh, smarter and a little bit better passer than Parker, and not not as strong, but probably close to as fast. Okay, uh, my back three. I'll go. Brooks Miazga, and then I can't pretend to have a strong opinion on who the third one is. <laughs> uh, I, I think it'll be again, no matter who it is, it'll be a good, it'll be a test for Brooks Miazga too, obviously. But uh, whoever the third one is, it's going to be a, a nice chance to showcase that you can do it. Uh, some guys really stepped up and showed that again, did well with their opportunity against France. So just hoping for the same, the same thing to, to pan out here. Okay, wing backs. Uh, this is probably just as easy as goalkeeper, really. Yeah, I get all the easy ones. So Robinson on the left, Yellen on the right. Any strong objection? Nope. I think that's what it should be. And um, Although uh, Shaq Moore did play it against France. So, um, you know, I, I don't know what – I don't know if Yedlin's more comfortable in a back four and so Shaq Moore somehow would have the edge. But I would expect us to see if Yedlin uh, can do just as well in that role. Yeah, I'd like to see Edlin. He's, you know, he's acquitted himself well of late in the Premier League. Scored a goal over the weekend against Man City, and uh, seems to be, seems to continue to be a lockdown starter for Newcastle. Yeah, had an assist against Chelsea the week before that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so he's had quite the run of opponents. Yeah, he's playing good. He's playing against good teams, so Brazil won't be like a huge shock to him. Probably the most interesting position on the field is midfield. In a three-five-two, you're going to have uh, presumably a six and then two eights. Why don't you, since you've gotten to do two easy ones, why don't you start there? 
All right. So you want me to give all three of my midfielders? Yeah, and you can, you know, yours, I don't know if you're trying to like match up what you're saying with what you think Sarakin will do or, you know, if you to the, to the extent that there's a distinction there, why don't you make it, you know? Okay. Uh, this is actually what I want to see and what I think Sarakin will do. Uh, I want to see Adams, Trapp, and McKenney with Trapp as the six. Um, and I want to see it just because we ran it out against France. Uh, and I think we need to learn if if Trap is an option as a six in a three-five-two setting. Uh, I'll let you give yours, and then I sort of have already, I think, a response prepared. Well, my so my thought is Adams is probably the long-term six. I said this last week. Unless McKenney settles into that six role, and then Adams is going to be an eight. But I think right now we want McKenney further forward in the field, and we want Adams as the six, shutting down counterattacks, which probably we won't see a lot of in this game. But also just learning, to, learning to anchor that midfield, because in the long run, I think he's the guy. With that in mind, I want Adams as the six, and then McKenney in front of him, and then Marky Delgado who I didn't know was called up until five minutes ago <laughs> as the other eight. If, if Delgado weren't available, I would, I guess I would have Acosta as my other eight. Although, but I much prefer Delgado because I think he's a much more uh, tactically intelligent player, probably than the, the other three and uh, a good glue guy, good passer, good move, moves well off the ball. Doesn't do anything flashy, but helps everybody else around him look better. That's what I want to see. All right. So you kind of already touched on it. My thing for this particular game against Brazil is Adams as a six. We're, I mean, we're going to be sitting back. Uh, hopefully I eat my words here in the U.S. plays some incredibly fluid attacking soccer. But most likely we are absorbing pressure for 88 out of the 90 minutes. Uh, and Julian Green scores one goal in one of those other minutes. But Adams is not going to get to showcase his uh, – ability to destroy counterattacks in this game if he's playing the six because there aren't going to be a lot of Brazil counterattacks. So uh, I, this is why I want to see the trap sitting in the six, and I want to see Adams playing the six in more of like a stretched wide-open game to see if we can play a stretched wide-open game. So uh, so I'm with you, and then I'm, I'm with you for uh, long-term seeing if Adams can play in that six role, but in, in a game like this, I don't know. It's almost like all three of them are going to be playing the sixes. Yeah, that's probably true. I mean, I just want to force Adams to to learn to play out of the back against pressure, you know? And yeah. I think that's probably the weakness in his game right now. And this is a chance for him to just, like, get uh, a chance for him to feel that pressure and have to respond to it, which he doesn't really get a lot of in MLS, you know? Because yeah. the Red Bulls are always on the front foot. And we saw we saw we saw from Trap. We got Trap had a good chance to do all this with roughly this a similar lineup uh, against France. And you know he he did he had some nice moments, but he couldn't really uh, dig us out of that pressure. And maybe that's no. not maybe that's not Trap's fault, but no. And and I'll, and I'll say if the lineup we see posted for for, uh, for the game is uh, McKenney, Acosta, and Adams. I am not going to be disappointed in that. I'll be like, all right, guys, like, let's see what this group can do. So um, it's hard to give me, give me this, give me like a, a midfield lineup that would actually like upset you. Like what, what is that? Like, what's the point? 
Mm. Is there one with the group we with the group of midfielders we have? I mean, if it's like trap, rolled on and green. <laughs> so McKenny and Adams just aren't aren't started in this Brazil game. Yeah, the key thing, the most important thing, is that Adams and McKenny start. That's okay. I'm, I'm with you if that's where you're driving with this. Yeah. Yeah. Where, okay. where they start Adams is a six but as long as those two are the starters then we'll at least learn something right and if Trap is the six okay fine okay alright that's our front three I'll let you then go with the, uh, the forward pairing I'm I'm going with uh, Bobby Wood and Tim Weah who is listed as a midfielder on this lineup and you know if it's anything like the France game if he plays a, as part of a front two, he's going to basically be a midfielder anyway. So that's my front two. I don't rate Novakovic yet. I'm, I'm open to being proved wrong on that. But uh, I'd rather see Wood and, and Wea. And I, you know, Zardes, sure Zardes can score goals in the Burhalter machine, but I just don't see the point. <laughs> uh, I, I'm Tim Weah and then I don't care who else Tim Weah up top with, with anybody it could be Julian Green, it could be Novakovic, it could be Bobby Wood, it could be Jazzy Zardes. Just I just want Tim Weah on the field and Weah didn't start against France so that's not a for sure thing, like we can be reasonably confident McKenney and Adams are in the starting lineup uh, but that I, I don't have that same confidence for Tim Weah being in the starting lineup yeah, let's well let's talk briefly about what we think Sarakin will do cuz I think probably he'll do the same back six that we have, you know, uh it could be Parker, it could be Long, it could be Car- Carter Vickers. I would probably guess it's Parker or Long who is the third center back, but the wing backs are pretty well decided. And and then Adams and McKenney are going to start. It's probably going to be Trap at the 6. Yeah, Sarakin really seems to rate Trap uh, in prior friendlies, and I think he even gives him the captain's armband to wear. So I think he trusts Will Trap quite a bit. Yeah. So the really, really, the only question marks are who's going to be that third center back and who are going to be the front two, and right? Wouldn't you say? Yeah, and and again, going with Sarakin, I think he really trusts Bobby Wood as well. So I, I kind of. I'm, I'm expecting Bobby Wood to start, and I don't have any strong feelings one way or the other on that either, based on the other guys we've called up. So, uh, I just really want the other guy to be Tim Weah. And then, and then the other guy will probably be Julian Green. If you're, <laughs> if you're guessing on Sarakin's choices, right? Yeah, I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if it's Wood and Julian Green. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of Zardes in, in the Sarakin era uh, as a forward. So I'm assuming that he's going to he'd be one of the two forwards. He won't be a wingback. So at least at least it won't be Zardes out wide. I mean, they're golfing buddies, right, from their old Galaxy days? <laughs> Who knows? Is, is that how Zardes stayed in the picture? Uh, no, he's worked his way back in. Good for, good for Jazzy. Yeah, he has. He's... Leading leading American scorer in MLS, no small feat. No small feat. There isn't a lot of competition for Americans scoring goals in MLS. Small feat. It's a small feat. <laughs> it is a small feat. Brazil's. Let's talk briefly about our opponent. Uh, Brazil's lineup is just stacked. It's a basically first choice lineup, first choice roster, as far as I can tell. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This is the good stuff. 
I mean, they got this everybody. Is... Thiago Silva, Alexandro. Uh, Say Neymar. We're waiting for Neymar. They've got Neymar. They've got Firmino. Uh, yeah. Coutinho's on the list, right? Yeah. Coutinho, Casemiro, Fred, who is a, you know, was a was a favorite of football Twitter last year at Shakhtar Donetsk and then got picked up by Manchester United. Uh, Douglas Costa, William, Roberto Firmino. I mean, it's all there. Everybody's there. So I think I think if we're talking about this Brazil lineup and based on what we saw in the World Cup, uh, like the biggest challenge, um, the I think where they're going to test us the most is uh, our our backlines organization. I know that's sort of obvious, but in particular, how often and how well we respond to uh, our outside backs getting beat one v one. So with Neymar and Willian just collecting a ball in, in, in sort of the wide space and just being able to face up, because you almost can't prevent that from happening. They're going to get it out there, and they'll sort of be able to stare right at Yedlin, right at Robinson, and then measure them as men uh, and see if if they can prevent them from getting around the edge or cutting into the middle, and then what happens when they don't prevent that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I really like – so that's why I think Yedlin is probably going to get the call over more. Because I because he is a bit a bit better of a one v one defender, not to mention he plays in the Premier League and Shaq Moore still hasn't been registered to play with CF Royce, but um, I like the idea of Aaron Long being the kind of smart first responder when Yedlin gets beat, which he will get beat by Neymar, right? Right. So even if you don't get beat, you know we saw it in the Premier League uh, just over the weekend against Raheem Sterling, Yedlin against Sterling. You don't even have, Sterling doesn't have to get past Yedlin. He just has to create that enough room to to shoot. And so, do we have help to essentially close down that shooting path once Neymar or Willian gets just a half a step where they have a look at goal? Mm-hmm. So, I, I agree with you. I think I think we're gonna it, the test will be whether the center backs can do that. And so, you, you're trusting Parker to be good at, at that particular job. Long, or did you say long? Long, long, long yeah. I think long is the long is the cerebral one. <laughs> All right. Uh, and then Me- Mexico is missing Vela, Herrera, Gio dos Santos, and Andres Guardado. So, pe- so my people say, people might say, well, that's a B team. Uh, no, it's more just like those guys aren't really going to be part of the cycle. I and uh, likely won't be part of the cycle, and um, they're bringing in a bunch of new blood. Which so is that's just a, sort of a changing of the guard. Yeah, more than anything. Which I think is fascinating. I think it'd be fa- that game will be probably even more interesting than the Brazil game because we'll get to see sort of the next era for both sides for the first yeah, time. It's it's going to be a fun uh, week of, of soccer here. Yeah. We got any other anything else to say about it? So what do you what do you want to see from the U.S.? So so we we know where Brazil is going to be able to test us, and those aren't the only places you, they'll test us. Like uh, they'll test they'll test whether Trap can like not just get sort of carved up, either combined around or again just like done one v one to where now a center back has to step up and we have to uh, fill in gaps around it. But what do you what do you want to see the U.S. do besides keep an organized shape and? respond to other individual failures well yeah i don't i don't have a lot of faith that we're going to see this but i do want to see us play some brave soccer when we get the chance which will be 
limited times, but play out of the back and and try to put something together. If we can do that, you know, six, seven, eight times in the first half, I think I'll be happy with that. So are you wanting it like, so we win the ball, let's say we've, we've won the ball, we've, we've intercepted some Brazil pass. Are you wanting to see like, all right, let's see us spread the field, like connect uh, connect a bunch of passes, try to break Brazil down, is that what you're saying? Uh, just just try to break out of the pressure. And there you go. I, uh, that'll require a little bit of movement, a couple of nice, a couple of incisive passes. The problem I see is we don't have anybody who can really threaten them going forward. So without Pulisic there, there's really nothing to keep Brazil off balance, you know? So even if we can play out of the pressure a little bit, what are we going to do? Bobby Wood going to dribble from the half line and have a shot? No. So I think you're totally right. We're not going to like get it out to Bobby Wood and then Bobby Wood's going to orchestrate the break. I think what it's going to be is I'm looking for that same composure once we win the ball to not immediately panic and hoof it up to Bobby Wood because, you know, no matter how good Bobby Wood is, he's going to be like one on four, one on three. What I want to see is the composure uh, to find two or three short passes in the area you've won the ball until you can spring an Anthony Robinson or DeAndre Yedlin. And I actually thought that's what we did really well against France was uh, we were calm when we won the ball. We might not have like an, a, a solid end point for the, for the possession, but no one was just like panic and hit it out of bounds or panic and launch it upfield. It was like connect five passes. And then the, the next, like we just run out, we run into a dead end a little bit. Um, I'm hoping that, there are just a few times where before we hit that at dead end, we do find Robinson breaking out or we find Yedlin breaking out. And those guys just get, I mean, bomb forward with the ball at their feet for 50 to 60 yards into a, into a retreating Brazil back four and serve a hopeful ball to Bobby Wood at that point. Yeah, that's true. That's what's going to, that's what our attack is going to consist of. I guess with and, Go and with Adams, it was Adams joining late out of the midfield, uh, McKenney joining late out of the midfield, like, I don't know. It's it's not it's not terrible. <laughs> no, it's not terrible. I I I guess the thing that I'm the thing that I'm looking for is for McKenney to be that sort of quick decision maker that I think he can be a good and uh you know have good ideas quickly like you said last week and find people's feet. And I'm looking for Adams to take that next step forward in that front on that front. Yeah, I'm ta- I'm going to almost take for granted that McKenney will. What I'm hoping is that it's that the three center backs, like that they're willing to be calm because they're the ones who, you know, if McKenney does screw up where he's at, if he's playing ahead of uh, back three plus a holding mid, we have people who are immediately blocking an attacker's path to the goal. If Brooks or Miazga have a pass to McKenney intercepted, like we're pretty naked and, and we're in real trouble. So it's going to take a lot of courage from those three to not just spray a ball out wide and hope that Bobby Wood can go battle for it, but to be like, all right, well, I can play a ball into Tyler Adams' feet or I can hit Weston McKinney's feet. Mm-hmm. Or Will Trap if he's the option. So that's what, that's what I want to see. I don't, I don't have, I'm not optimistic that we're going to win the possession battle, but I want to see us having like that purpose once we do, the few times we do get control of the ball. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's all we can hope for. And we can talk about more. We can talk more about the Mexico match when we do our uh, late night review of the Brazil match on Friday night. That game is Friday yeah. at six thirty Central Time. 
at the MetLife Stadium in the Meadowlands, just across the river from New York City. Yeah, safe travels, Bells. Enjoy the enjoy the scene there. Yeah, I'm going to the game, and uh, if anybody wants to hook up with me at the American Outlaws party, I'm going to hit that up, and I've got business cards with the name of the podcast on them. So that's cheesy, and I'm going to do it. <laughs> Appreciate the hustle, Bells. Yeah. Um, let's come back in a second and do our short corners, which will be very short. All right, short corners. Champions League draw happened last week. Uh, Schalke's group is uh, Moscow, Galatasaray. Is that how you say that, Gid? Galatasaray, I believe. I've always said Galatasaray. Galatasaray and Porto. That group looked very doable when it came out, but after another ugly loss on Sunday for Schalke, I don't know. Schalke might Schalke might just not be good, and they might not have been that good last year, and they just sort of won the var- the variance battle against like five other not very good Bundesliga teams. Yeah, they sure don't look good. That's I mean you're right, they didn't look that good last year, but they managed to claw out victories and draws when they, you know, maybe didn't deserve them. They got some figuring out to do. McKenny played the full ninety, but he played about half the game at right center back because they just don't have anybody left to play center back because of injury and suspension. I don't know what to make of it all. It's not super encouraging. <laughs> no, it's not. It's it's still like cool that he's playing on this Champions League team. And if they are going to advance, this is like the group they needed to draw to advance. Um, but it, yeah, their, their start to the Bundesliga campaign has not been encouraging. No. Dortmund's group is tougher. It's Monaco, Atletico Madrid, and... Bruges. I mean, people think like, well, Monaco. That's they, Dortmund should be able to beat them. Well, Monaco beat Dortmund in the knockout rounds two years ago, back when they had Kylian Mbappe. But you know, they're always Monaco's always reloading, and uh, Atletico Madrid has got to be the favorite for the group. You yeah, Monaco, Monaco's young. Uh, Bruges have Ethan Horvath between the posts. They've been saving him for the Champions League. <laughs> So uh, we could get some cool American versus American battles in that group. Uh, Dortmund don't look great either, but if they can settle in, with, I mean, it's still still early for a new manager. Um, I don't know, man. Like they they haven't looked good. Yeah, they got that four one victory over Leipzig, but it wasn't as convincing as that scoreline indicates. And then they drew Hanover uh, at home. Was it? No, it was at Hanover. Drew Hanover 0-0. I just don't know how they're going to do it with those ancient fullbacks of theirs, Pishek and Schmelzer. They're both on the other side of 30, and I don't know, man. They they Dortmund hasn't found a way to replace them for the last three or four years, and I think you know a lot of the a lot of the blame went to Socrates last year, who's now at Arsenal, and they now have two excellent center backs, as far as I can tell, in Diallo and Akanji, but. So maybe they're just hoping to get by, to sneak by with those players because they have at least reinforced the attack, uh, and it seems like they'll be able to. I, th- I think they'll be a little bit more dangerous with an actual legitimate forward. Uh, no disrespect to Philip, 
but I think I think having a real forward and taking Marco Royce, allowing Marco Royce to play in a position he's more comfortable in, mm-hmm. uh, I think will will help their attack. I don't think it can hurt. Yeah, well, at least they don't have an impossible group. I mean, I think most people would be happy with that draw. Yeah. PSG is in a tough group, but the important thing from a Wea perspective is that they're in the tournament and we'll need to rotate the squad and hopefully he can get back in the the 18 and start playing a little bit more. Cuz he's not yeah, going he's not going on loan. He's not going on no. loan. No, it's it's better that PSG is in a tough group because we didn't we don't want them to have already advanced and not have to worry. We want them to have to save Mbappe and Cavani uh, and Neymar for those important Champions League games, so that way I gets into the squad for the league games. Yeah, exactly. And with Mbappe's red card, maybe we'll see way next week. Next week, following the break, the international break. Any other short corners from you? No, I got nothing. I'm excited for these U.S. games. That's that's taking up all my focus. Yep, yep. I guess we already mentioned it, but it's worth noting the Bellow debut. I think that's a big deal. He, I'm super high on him, and I again, I I thought he looked, I thought he looked good for a 16 year old playing left wing back in Major League Soccer. Not so- great. Good. What's his minutes counter at compared to Carlton's minutes counter? He's he's chewed up a fourth of the minutes that uh, Carlton has gotten. All and, right, and with that one appearance, the Carlton the Carlton hype boat is treading water right now. <laughs> Anchor down. There's just a couple leaks, but we have tin cans and we're we're uh, we're bailing it out. <laughs> I don't know, man. We'll see. U20s are also having a camp here during this international break, and Chris Richards is coming back for it. I should mention Chris Richards scored a goal over the weekend for the Bayern U19s. Things seem to be going pretty well for him. And Sebastian Soto for the Hanover U19s now has four goals in five games. And uh, Chris Gloucester at the Hanover in the Hanover system has graduated, it seems, from the U19s to the U23 side. He's also U20 eligible, plays left back. So there's plenty going on in, in Germany to to keep the optimistic person optimistic. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want you to. That's the one thing about you, Bell. So I never want you to lose is your optimism. Some days, some days are better than others. All right, let's let's wrap this up. Thanks, Greg. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. We'll see ya.